Yeah. Try one more time. Good morning. That's much, much better. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you with us this morning at Dorisville Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here. Holiday weekend. I'm sure we got some people on the road be praying for those that are traveling for travel mercies, of course. Looking forward to being all together again next week as we worship the Lord. A couple of quick announcements, uh, just uh, uh, a couple of minor things this morning. Well, I wouldn't call them minor. Uh, Mercy Corner needs some bags, and that's like the Walmart plastic bags you get at the grocery store. If you'll save those and get those to Judy Calgary, uh, they're using them for some different uh, different things for the service provided there. And then, as was mentioned, I know last week, uh, the Sports Crusaders soccer camp, a faith-based camp Dorsville is sponsoring. Uh, Stanley Rowland is in charge of that. He still needs a couple of host homes. This is for the team, the college-age team that's coming in to lead the camp to work with the kids. They need a place to stay uh, in the evenings. There's three boys and one girl. The only, the only obligation is, first of all, to give them a place to sleep and then a light, small breakfast in the morning. And then they go out and they're all, all day long working with kids uh, at, at the soccer camp. And that is, uh, he needs to know this week. So if you'll please get in touch with Stanley Rowland, pray, and uh, let the Lord lead you to do that. Get in touch with Stanley Rowland this week. Is there anything else we need to mention you can think of real quick? Dwayne's going to come up. Well, we're going to have a party tonight. A party tonight. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you very much. Did Elvis sing that? No. Anyway, we are going to have a party tonight. We are having a baptism. At least five, maybe six people are being baptized. And uh, we want you to come and celebrate with us. And there is a party after church. We're having a reception in our fellowship hall. We've already got cake and punch. But we need for you to kind of kick in and beef that up just a little bit. Some good old-fashioned finger foods, you know, like pecan pie and pecan pie, and then perhaps even some pecan pie on the side. But no, come tonight, bring your favorite finger foods. We'll have a great service. Starts at 6 o'clock underneath the steeple in our sanctuary. Be baptizing, preaching the Word of God. We're going to worship, and then we're going to have a big party. So don't you miss it tonight, all right? On behalf of our pastor's wife, let me apologize for what you just... <laughs> um, we have two teams that are going out this weekend and next weekend from our student ministry. One is our all-state choir members are going for Summer Worship University. We leave this afternoon. It's in Hannibal, Missouri, and then we'll be ministering all the way from Chicago to Moore, Oklahoma, back and forth. I know two full days of ministry, and, and so I can't remember what they are. I had, them, I had it all worked out in my head. But music and ministry trip, pray for them, that God will work in them and through them. And then next weekend, another student team is going to the GO team. That's IBSA. It's like the Illinois version of World Changers. And they're going to be in, is it Elgin, Illinois, up near Chicago? And we're actually going to be with them on Monday night, our choir leading that whole uh, ministry event in worship. So that's going to be a neat time for our two groups to come together while they're out on the field. So that's kind of good. So we pray for those student groups uh, and for myself. And I'm sure I can speak for Brent. We would appreciate your prayers as much. Let's do that right now. Let's stand together and pray. And then we're going to begin to worship the Lord together in song. God, thank you, Father, for the privilege to be in your house today. Gather together, Lord, to sing songs of our Savior, to make much of you, to remind one another and proclaim what you have done for us in the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we were doomed to die an eternal death, but Jesus came and rescued us, Lord, through his shed blood at the cross and rising from the grave three days later. We are grateful for that. Lord, let that enable our worship again today. Bring joy to our hearts and to our lips. Lord, be with us as we worship you in every way today in song, prayer, 
in the hearing of and responding to the word of God, be giving through every way. May today be honoring and pleasing to you. So we give you all the thanks and all the praise for what you're going to do. And all God's people say, amen. Let's begin to sing together. Sing together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side, angels descending bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Sing it out. This is my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Thank you, Lord. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Give God praise for what He's done for us. Amen. Let me say again, welcome. We are glad that you are here. Go ahead and have a seat for just a moment. I want to just take a moment to welcome our special guests. That would be everyone who's chosen to come and visit with us today. We're glad that you are here. If you got a bulletin when you came in, there's a sheet that sticks out one side. It says connect in big, bold letters down one, one side. What we'd like to ask you to do is uh, when you have a, f- a few minutes, a couple of seconds, take and fill that out real quick, and you can do one of two things with that. One is drop it in the offering plate. You're welcome to do that. But what we'd rather ask you to do is after service, if you, our pastor's usually back here by these double doors, he'd love to meet you. Go out those doors and turn to the left. There's a welcome counter. There's someone there just to shake your hand. And again, thank you for coming and visiting with us here at Dorsal. We're glad that you are here. Now we'll continue to worship with a time of fellowship. Let's stand. Make sure you find our guests. Make them feel welcome. We're glad to have you here today. Let's worship.
Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nation. Savior, He can move the Take me as you find me, Lord, all my fears and failures. Lord, fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, Savior, He can do the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light, shine your light, and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light. And the whole world see we're singing for the glory of the risen King Savior He can move the mountains my God is mighty to say yes He is He's mighty to say forever author of salvation He rose and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, Savior, He can move a mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Sing, shine your light one more time. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Give me praise. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to
us, Lord, draw our eyes upward to you. Let's gaze upon your throne. Who has known the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to You will reign for 
from your word in a few moments, Lord. Help us work in us because we cannot without you working in us to respond rightly to it. We leave this place. Some of us head to Hannibal, Missouri. Some of us go home just up the block. You go with us in every place. And as we serve you and as we make much of you, Lord, after Sunday, we know it's because of the great God who sits on the throne even now. So you be God in this place and do what you brought us here to do. We give this to you for our good, for your glory alone, Jesus. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. You know, this world is tough. I don't have to tell you that. You know, it's, it's difficult when you go to the store and you hear a child arguing with a parent. They may even cuss the parent. I've heard that. It's difficult when you open the pantry and you want to feed your grandchild and yet the pantry is bare. It's difficult when you just don't know what direction to turn. But I want to tell you this morning, we can't get away from the world, but what we can do is get an inner peace. What we can do is find how and who we can get that inner peace from. And I'm here to tell you that my Savior, Jesus Christ, is the one, the only way to get that inner peace that this world, our relatives, our friends, 
trial or tribulation you're going through. You know, you can get above that. You don't have to wallow in it. Let me tell you a little bit about that this morning, how you can rise above that.
And all God's people said, Amen. What a great song, huh? I mean, awesome job, Dave. Thank you so much for blessing us with that. And again, I loved how the worship just tied together with the message. Now, for our guest today, let me tell you, I got the thing. I said, I wonder if anybody's going like, what's up with the stage decor? Is this like Louisiana or something? You know, but, but we were in a series called Luck Commander. We did our vacation Bible school around the same theme. And the thought came from, um, you know, Phil Robertson's one of the stars of Duck Commander and uh, Duck Dynasty. And they were fishing, you know, they were uh, calling ducks one day. And, and this guy observed as Phil Robertson called these ducks down. And, and, and he looked and said, Phil, you don't call ducks, you command them. And so he tied in the word duck and put luck in his place and how God is the luck commander. We don't, we don't, we don't need luck. We don't believe in luck. Um, luck is sovereignty, want to be. You know, we casually use that. I think how casually use that. I think I heard it this morning from someone, maybe in my lips, hey, good luck. You know, we kind of throw that out there. But luck is nothing. Luck, luck is there no just happenstance, circumstance. We believe that God is in control, and we know that God is in control. So we're in this series, and we, we started out with Psalm 37, 23, and 24. I love these verses. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, God, delights in his way. And even if he fall, he will not be utterly cast down because he upholds him with a strong arm. And again, if you're needing a life verse, that's a really great set of verses, two verses there to make your life verse. It's a wonderful, wonderful, strong truth. And then we talked about Abraham and how he was a pagan and how that, that God called him, even though he was a pagan. And the reason he was made righteous was just because he believed God. And that is how we become righteous, how we gain the righteousness of God is through faith, believing what God says about his son and who Jesus was and what he did. It's not through any kind of works or, or that we got to gain God's favor through, um, you know, through doing stuff. It's all by God's amazing grace. And then last week we talked about David and how that he was the, the least of, of Jesse's sons. Um, he was a, like a nobody candidate. All his brothers were big and tall, and he was kind of short and kind of cute, but that's about it. You know, he's a cute king, you know. And, and then God calls him and anoints him, and he becomes the greatest king. And, and, the, and the byword from the song was really good. You know, when others see a shepherd boy, when others see a loser, when others see um, someone who can't keep up, when, when others see someone who's not attractive, when others see someone who might be overweight, when, when others see someone who's kind of short, um, when, when others see someone who's not talented... God may see, and you fill in the blank. And the song is, God may see a king. And speaking of kings, that's where we go today. I thought today, because of the Lord's Supper, uh, we would talk about Jesus and the sovereignty of God. It's, I entitled it, it's a real spiritual sounding title, Focused Finality. How, how Jesus turned his face toward Jerusalem with one thought and one tent, and that's dying for the sins of the world. And speaking of the Lord's Supper, let me go ahead and tell you up front, you know, we do this at the end of our service and we observe it at the end of our service and hopefully it'll be a very meaningful time. If you're not a church member, that's not a big deal. Uh, we practice open communion and that simply means this, that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the family and we invite you to partake part of that. You'll get two cups, uh, pull them apart. One has the bread in it. We'll do that first and then we'll take the juice after that. So um, to get those out of the way, all right? So, and be thinking, by the way, about, as we talk about, you know, Jesus and what he did, be thinking about the Lord's Supper, how meaningful this is. If there's a picture of, of our salvation and the sovereignty of God in it, it's found in the Lord's Supper that night, um, the Passover meal that night in, in Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, that, that's where we are. In John chapter 12 is where we're going to be talking from, verse number 20. John chapter 12, in those verses there, we, this is Passion Week. 
Um, Sunday, before this, Sunday, they said, yay, here comes the king, here comes the king, here comes the king. And things are winding down. In fact, I love this. In the, in the verse before we start this morning, in verse 19, the Pharisees say, the world has gone after him. And boy, were they right. Amen? You know, the world doesn't go after religion. The world doesn't go after church. But boy, the world goes after Jesus. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. So speaking of Jesus, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> this, let me prompt you here. This is like a yay time. You know, I, I assume that there are some Christ followers out here. Uh-oh, oh, 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 no. Y'all sound like a bunch of Cubs fans. All right, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself and sound like something. Never mind, we're going to leave you alone. I bet, I assume, that there are some Christ followers out here. Yeah, there you go. That's right. And you know, we got something to celebrate because you know, isn't, it, isn't it wonderful what Jesus did for us? I mean, re- forgave our sins. How incredible is that? That we will not spend eternity in a place called hell separated from God, that we spend eternity in a place called heaven. That is just incredible. But here's the question I want to ask you today. If you knew the day you signed up with Jesus, whether you were 12 or 7, or whether you're like Carl Griffith, I think it was 63, you know, whether it's a midlife deal or was it a baby deal, you know, a young child deal, here's my question. If you'd known, if you'd known that one day God would speak to your heart and say, I'm sending you to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm sending you like Matt and Bethany to somewhere out on the other side of the world. I'm sending you like Cassidy to a place called Nicaragua. I'm sending you um, to a place that's unbelievably hard. You know that's your destiny. Would you still have signed up? If you'd known that following Christ would cost you everything. Now, now I'm serious now. Think about this. Would you still have signed up? If you'd known that life was going to be incredibly hard, like Dave was singing about, not, not like everyday hard, but really hard, would you still have signed up? Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, he te- first he demonstrates he's the ultimate example. And again, understanding that, yes, he's God. He's 100% God, but he's also 100% man. I know it's a real paradox, but that's what it, that's what it is. He's 100% God and 100% man. And knowing that he walked and lived this earth and knowing that his focus finality was one day, not just a death. We'll talk about that. But the death of deaths. You know, he's our ultimate example. He went, he went ahead. He didn't retreat. Would we have made the decision to follow Christ if it cost us everything? And I'll give you a, the short story. It does. It does. So we have Jesus. The final week... Before the cross. And he, in this incredible scripture in John chapter 12, it is just pregnant with meaning. And I've asked God to help me convey a, a portion of the great truth that's found here. Now, some of this, what I'm going to share with you today is just a, a tibbet. And that simply means, hey, notice this. It's not the main teaching of the scripture. It's not the main teaching of the scripture. But notice this. And then I think starting probably down in verse number 23, we really get to the focus how it applies to our lives directly. Like command, like this is the deal thing. All right, so in verse number 20, in John chapter 12, thinking about what I said now, if you'd known it cost you everything, would you still sign up? The Bible says in verse number 20 that now some Greeks 
were among those who went up to worship at the festival. And this is very, very significant. And you're going to see how, it, how it's a game changer in just a moment. Now, these Greeks, uh, several commentaries had several different ideas. We really don't know. They could have been uh, Jewish proselytes uh, from a region of Greece that, that came to the festival. Um, they could have been like the wise men. There were, there were some Greeks that would go around just to different religions and check out the different religions. They could have been like the wise men. They were just exploring the options about, you know, this is a God and we're going to worship in Jerusalem and see what kind of God this is. But, but these Greeks were just a little bit different in that they were there for a specific reason. They came to worship at the festival. And while they're at the festival, they heard about this man named Jesus. They heard this man named Jesus. Now, of all the talk, of all the chatter that was going on around Passover week, the chatter on the street was, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? And so the Bible says in verse 21, so they came to Philip. Now, here's one of those tidbits. We know that Philip had a Greek name. We do not believe he was Greek, but he may well have been. But interestingly enough, because of his name, he was the logical connection these Greeks had to get to know Jesus. And my point is this. Each one of us has a sphere of influence. Each one of us has a world that we live in. And within that world, there are people who are not saved. There are people who God has, is calling, but they've not found the path yet to that calling. And you are that path. You may be 500 feet underground, and your connection is, I'm a coal miner, you're a coal miner. You could be down at Eastside School. You're a teacher, I'm a teacher. It could be at the bank. I work at the bank, you work at the bank. It could be an illness. I had cancer you have cancer. Let's talk. It even could be the disaster of a marriage gone south. That a person goes and says, my marriage is falling apart. I've been there. I've experienced that. Let's talk about Jesus. So, so just like Philip was the conduit, if you will, to, to Jesus for these Greeks, so are you. It's not always the pastor. In fact, a lot of times it's not the pastor. You know why? We got cooties. We have pastoral cooties. We are the guys that people turn their lights out and lower the shade and say, oh, no, the preacher's here. Okay? There are times when we get to share. There are times when we get to do our thing. But I'm telling you, you are often the conduit. You are often the channel that God will use to draw people to himself. So these guys, because probably, because Philip lived in a Greek province, probably, and also because he had a Greek name, these Greeks come to Philip, who was from Bethesda and Galilee, and requested of him, and this is so powerful. Sir, we want to see Jesus. This is so powerful. They, again, the, the chatter on the street was Jesus. It wasn't the religious elite. It wasn't even the fact that it was Passover. Everyone was talking about this guy who came into to, um, Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the king. And they were like, wowed out. And they wanted to see Jesus. Now, notice this. Alicia, they didn't sign up to see the high priest. They didn't even go to the temple and say, we would like to have a conference with the religious elite of the day. They didn't do that. They didn't go down and find members of the local synagogue and say, can we talk about your synagogue? No. They wanted to see Jesus. And here's something so big, guys. Listen to me. Are you listening? Are you listening? What I'm fixing to say is important. We live in a culture 
that is not very different from the culture of Jesus' day. Even in America today, there's tons of religion. There's just not a lot of Jesus. There are tons of churches. There's just not a ton of Jesus. Now, what you don't understand, and I don't know a whole lot about it because I'm too old, I guess. I don't know. But the younger generation, the younger generation, the millennial generation, are not buying our denomination. The younger generation, again, probably 63 to 70% of the millennials, you know, are not Christ followers. But those who are want to make a difference. They are saying, if you're going to be a church that meets on Sundays and, and we sit there and do our little holy huddle in four walls and that's all you do, we're not interested in that. If you're going to be a, a church that is self-serving and we're turning, we're not interested in that. The millennials who are saved are wanting a church. And, and these churches are being birthed all over America. They're wanting churches that teach the Word of God, but then they apply the Word of God. And they go out to this world and make an impact, not for the sake of a name of a church, but they make an impact for the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to reach young people, it doesn't matter that I'm 60 years old. If we're going to reach young people, you don't have to have a young whippersnapper pastor as much as you've got to keep the gospel in the forefront of what you do. And you've got to keep a concern for lost people in the forefront of the things that you do. And you've got to reach out and embrace and love people in the precious name of Jesus Christ. That's what we've got to continue to do. That's what we've got to do. Now again, I know some of you, some of you wonder why we do some of the crazy things we do. It's because we are trying to reach a generation out there, and not just a generation. We're trying to reach a people out there for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so these guys come, and, and, and they came to Philip and said, we want to see Jesus. We, want to, we don't want to see religion. We don't want to see a denomination. And some of y'all would go, well, hey, if they don't want our denomination, our church, hey, dude, that is what we are about. We're not some growing agency for the Southern Baptist Convention. And we better not be some growing agency just so Dorsville will have a bigger name in Harrisburg. We are about the cause of Christ. That is our heartbeat. It must be our heartbeat if we're being Christ followers. It has to be. It has to be. That can't change. That's a non-negotiable there. So, so they want to see Jesus. Now watch this. This is so cool. So Philip um, went to Andrew, told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Now, this is really cool. I don't, think it's co- I don't believe in coincidence in the Bible. But if you know anything, you know, Andrew was famous for a guy who brought people to Jesus. When God's brother, come, come see Jesus. And Philip was known as Philip the Evangelist. I think two guys who put themselves on the forefront of, later would be known for bringing people to Jesus. It's unusual that the Greeks knew who to go to. And then Philip and Andrew went to Jesus. How incredible is that? Now, you know the crazy part? We don't even know if they saw Jesus. Because when Jesus hears this, he takes, he seizes this moment to teach an incredibly powerful truth. We don't know if the guys ever even saw Jesus. But here's what happens. Jesus says in verse number 23, Jesus replied to them, them being his apostles, his disciples, the immediate group, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 
Now, he has talked several times about the day is coming. The hour is coming. The hour is coming. All of a sudden, that hour is here. This week in his life, there waits for him the deaths of deaths. There waits a Roman cross for him. So he says that the time, the hour has come that I, the Son of Man, to be what? Glorified. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now, isn't it funny that he was glorified in his death? Isn't that an amazing thought? Because, again, Jesus had this focused finality. We're going to hear in just a moment how that he knew why he came, and that was the only reason for his coming. In fact, he goes on and says that. He says, I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. See, Jesus is telling, and this is where it starts opening up to us. He is telling us that if you have a seed and you hold on to that seed, it will never produce a crop. But if that seed is allowed to die, be planted in the ground, then not only many seeds, but many trees or bushes could come from that seed. See, the people of Israel were confused. And I think sometimes we are too. We have this little package of how we want to view our Jesus. We see it at Christmas with a precious little baby. We, we see the beautiful pictures of Jesus in the, in the uh, Middle Ages, those, all those artworks. We see it in the movies even today, how handsome and good-looking Jesus was. We have this concept of who Jesus is. And Jesus knew that he could, his human side would have known this, he could have said, you know, I could stay here. And I can continue to feed people. I continue to heal people. Um, I can do a pretty good ministry right here. In fact, if I were to let them, they would make me the king of a nation. But Jesus said, or I can have my focus finality. I can be and do what God has called me to be and do. And that is, I can face a Roman cross. I can be planted into the ground. And on the third day, I can resurrect. And not only will I be king of a nation, I'm going to be king of the world. I'm going to be victorious over sin. And through that, through the planting and death of that seed, and through the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, not only seeds, but bushes would come. That's what we are today. Because Jesus Christ died, because he resurrected, and then God said, put your faith and trust in this one, then we have experienced the forgiveness. We have experienced God's grace. And we are proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're about. The message from Matt Wednesday night, we had a great crowd to hear that. It was really funny because we had no, no video. We had audio and some PowerPoint slides. I mean, 37 minutes went by like that. I was riveted. And one of the things that, my, that Matt said was that he said that in the Old Testament, you know, God um, upheld his people. God um, blessed his people to bring glory to his name. In the New Testament, God brings glory to his name through his people. Now, praise God, there's some manna moments when you don't know where, like the song said, you, or what Dave said, you don't know where the food's going to come from. There's some manna moments. And thank God, there's some healing moments. Come on now. Come on, talk to me. There's some healing moments. The God who healed in the, in the early church heals today. Same God. Same God. He's a healing God. He's a feeding God. 
He's a loving God. All those things are true. But the primary purpose in God working in those ways remains the same. To bring glory to His name. The purpose of the church today is that God might be glorified through His people. And the part that's difficult for us is sometimes that happens in great success and sometimes it happens in great pain. That's why I asked you the question. If you'd known that there'd be no physical, and I'm putting quotes, blessings, that, that your life would be, in fact, more difficult, would you still have signed up? God calls people to himself today to bring glory to his name. This church was founded in 1910 for the purpose of bringing glory to God's name. It's not about a pastor. It's not about staff. It's not deacons. It's not a family name. It's not any of that. It's about bringing glory to God. That's why we exist. And and can I be honest? We push back from that. Because we go, wait a minute. I don't remember the person saying that time. Wait a minute. You, You mean... I didn't become a Christian to have a better life. No. You're a reprobate sinner separated from a holy God, destined for hell. And God in His grace and mercy allowed a path of redemption and forgiveness and salvation through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and extend the invitation to whosoever will may come by grace. That's what He did. How incredible. Does it get any better than that? I mean, that's like eating a piece of pecan pie from a barbecue barn. Does it get any better than that? Come on. It's incredible. It's powerful. So he says, listen, this seed's going to have to die. I, I, could, I, could, I could stay small. You, you, could, you can live your life. You can stay small and make an impact. Somebody 50 years from now might go, oh, yeah, I remember Dwayne Taylor. I remember Joe. I, I remember Charlotte. I remember them. Or we can accept the invitation that God has given for us to be a huge part. We can be willing to die to self, be willing to die to our plans, be willing to die to our life, and be a part of something really huge. And in 10,000 years, we'll be up in heaven praising God. And I doubt it's true. Can I just be candid with you? I doubt it's true, but some dude may walk up and go, weren't you at Dorsville Baptist Church at a Sunday in the Park event? And you guys gave us hot dogs. And I want you to know something. Somebody prayed with me that day. And I didn't get saved that day. But later on, I felt God pulling on me and tugging on me. And a neighbor of mine knew Jesus. And I received... I don't know. I, I have no idea. Don't even pretend to have an idea. But isn't it cool to know that when we die here, that we'll still be alive 10,000 years from now? And just getting started good? Just getting started? Isn't that incredible? I mean, think about the ramifications of what it is. You know, I, I'm on kind of a food bin. Yeah, you know, you know, food and I go way back. In fact, we're really good friends. In fact, I keep it real close to me. Peggy Jones made a Italian cream cake for my birthday, I think it was, back in January. Uh, January 6th, y'all want to write that down? <laughs> and so, you know, there's this, I mean, you know, this sucker's big, you know? And so I like whacked out a good sized piece of it and ate part of that, and then um, and then I ate another piece, and but then and I think I gave some to Becca if I remember correctly. I guess some, but there's about a half left. So you know what I did? Rather than just like okay, I'm gonna eat this thing if it kills me, I froze it. Are oh, you know where the story's going yet? Uh huh. So about two weeks later, I'm sitting there going, man, a piece of a. Uh, 
It's in the freezer. I pulled that sucker out 12 seconds in the microwave. I'm in heaven. And it didn't in there. I had like six pieces. Now, well, not all at one time. A little alone. That's my point. You know, it's like the three-legged... Oh, gosh, I've done open this. I should not have done this. It's like the three-legged pig. Y'all ever heard that story before? Yeah, this guy walked in. There's a three-legged pig there. And the guy goes, what's the story with your pig? He goes, well, this pig saved my life. Really? He said, yeah, the house caught on fire. And the pig started squeaking, knocking on the door. And uh, I opened the door and the house on fire. And he saved my life. He goes, dude, but what's that to do with three legs? He goes, you don't need a pig like that all at one time. <laughs> the Italian cream cake lasted. Listen, listen, listen. You can have this life and that's all. Or you can invest in eternity and it goes on and on and on. Can I have an amen? See, and that's what Jesus says in verse number 25. Now watch. This is a, he's talking to us. He's our example, and now he's talking to us. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the bottom line is this. If you live for self here, this is it. If, if, your, focus, if your worldview is right here, focused down, that's it. That's all there's going to be. If you love this life, you're going to lose it. Now, it'd be good. it may be a good, in quotes, it may be good 50, 60, 70, 80 years. It may be a good ride. You know, new toys and new houses and new clothes and people know your name and you've got titles. But if you love that life, and that's all, then that's all there is. You lose it. But then he says this. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If you want to hate your life here, and that's one of those hard words, but he's simply saying this. If you want to give your life away, you know, you know Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. If you're willing to say, this world is not all there is, I'm willing to pour my life into kingdom. That doesn't mean being a missionary in Africa. It doesn't mean giving 28% of your income away. It might mean that. It may mean going to Africa. But it simply means this. And this is that deep stuff some people like. Although you're not going to say it. It doesn't sound very deep to me. If you're willing to arrange your life and your priorities and your resources and your time around the kingdom of God, you may sacrifice here. Because you only got so much time. You only got so much resources. That's true of everybody, by the way. But if you're willing to to wrap that around the kingdom, Jesus says, then it will keep it for eternal life. That's pretty cool. You You know, I love Paul, but we would serve ourselves well to spend some more time with Jesus. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, somehow Jesus teaches primarily in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he teaches that somehow there's a heavenly economy. And those people who say you can't take it with you are just wrong. You can. Now, I can't pack you know, $20,000 in my casket and take it with me. But there's a way when I wrap my resources and my time and my abilities and talents around the kingdom of God that somehow I keep it into eternity. That's part of that Matthew 25 deal about, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. Has nothing to do with my salvation. Has nothing to do with me, God going, you are such a good boy. It just means that up in heaven somehow there's this economy where there's a blessing of being faithful here. I can't explain it. I just know the Bible teaches it. 
So Jesus says, if you want to put yourself second, if you want to die to self, if you want to really be crucified with Christ like you really are and live that way, then you can keep your life until eternal life. Now watch this. This is so good. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And this is simple, but listen to me. Servers follow. And followers serve. Servers follow. And followers serve. Again, the concept of I'm saved, going to heaven, woohoo, let's party. And doing nothing for Jesus? It's anti biblical. It's just not in the book. Hey, Jesus says, let me read it again to you. If anyone serves me, he maybe can follow. On a good day, when it's convenient, when he's not threatened, when life is good. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And watch this. Look where it ends. Where I am, there my servant will be also. We follow Jesus right into heaven. Again, nothing to do with works. But, but Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, then you're going to be a servant. It's just natural. That's like peanut butter and jelly. They go together. Followers serve and servers follow. And there's a place called heaven. And it is real. And it's better, Mike, than a 65-inch, bigger than Tim Darty's curved screen Samsung TV. It's bigger. It's better than we can. Listen, there is nothing on this earth that compares to heaven. It's not something we've dreamed up and go, I need to feel good about death. Let's come up with something. It's a reality. And heaven is where Jesus is. And God is. And it's going to be... Listen, it's nothing like church. It's going to be better than church. <laughs> no long sermons in heaven. It's going to be incredible. And watch what he says. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You've got to like this. Serve the world, and your boss may call you in one day and say... Well, son, you've done a good job. I think I'm going to give you a little pay raise. Serve yourself in this world, and you may save enough money to buy the car of your dreams. But if you serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if you serve the God of the universe, again, somehow, some way, there's honor. So would you rather have the honor of the world or the honor of the God who created the world? Would you have rather have honor temporal or honor eternal? Come on now. Come on now. This, this, this has got to be clicking in some of y'all's heads going, hmm, eat the whole pie now or freeze some for later. It's incredible. Now, now this, this chunk of scriptures in 27 through 30 puts the icing on the cake for us. Boy, this thing is all about food, isn't it? We're having a party tonight after church, y'all. Don't, don't waste all these good sermon illustrations. God has laid on your heart to cook a pie and an Italian cream cake. I feel it. I feel it. God bless y'all. Bring them tonight. Now, watch this. This is all this. There are four things. Jesus speaking. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. 
Father, glorify your name. First thing. We see this so beautifully portrayed in the garden. When Jesus was, was doing sweat drops of blood. And he's crying out, Father, if there's any way for you to deliver this cup from me, let it happen. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So his start here, he, he knows what's coming. He knows what Friday holds. And this is probably Monday or Tuesday. Now my soul is troubled. Ever have a troubled soul? What do you say in those troubled times? What would be a correct Jesus response in troubled times? Now, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm the king of the whiners. You know, why me? You know, why, why couldn't I? Why, why did he get it and I didn't? You know, you know. So, so what, would, what would your response be? So what should I say, Jesus says? Father, save me from this hour. And that is the human logical response. If, if we lose our job, God, I want a new job. And there's nothing wrong with that. God, if I'm sick, I want a healing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but Jesus says these words. He says, he says, Father, save me from this hour. But that's why I came. Now, are you ready for some hard teaching? We as Christ followers, as believers have got to really grasp the sovereignty of God. Satan is not in control. He's not got the ability to hide behind a bush so God can't see him and pop you whenever he wants. I cannot explain why death comes to families. I cannot explain why illness comes. I do know this. Your God and my God is in control. And sometimes he allows these things into our life. And, and, and again, focusing on what Christ says, he knew at his hour, this is why I came to this hour. Are you willing today to believe God and trust God that somehow that this wonderful God is in control and that regardless of good things come or difficult things come, I'm going to say, my God called the shot. My God called this hour. Satan didn't get one over on God while he was in Florida on vacation. Satan didn't get one in on God because he was busy working with somebody else. Are you willing to believe in the sovereignty of God? Trust God. Believe God. And say, God, I know you've called this hour. And this hour, by the way, for Jesus, this, this horrible, horrible death, the death of death, the, the, forget the physical part, the spiritual side, that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, Became sin, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. God on the cross became sin that we might become the righteous of God in Him. Write that reference down if you have it. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This hour was planned before the foundations of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. Your, your incredible Father is working something out. Now here's the deal. There's a false teaching, I believe, a false teaching that goes around it says this, that, that God simply wants, in quotes, the best for all his people. The, the problem is, those people mean as we see best, not as God sees best. We see best as being healed every time, that getting a job, that never having money hurt. But it's not our best, in our view, it's God's best in his view. So, so what do you pray? When, when your heart is troubled... Okay, and you want to say, God, save me from this hour and then go, oh, wait a minute. My God is in control. 
He's called this hour. What do you say? Can I suggest the same thing Jesus said? Father, glorify your name. If it's a success, God glorify your name. If it's a difficulty, God glorify your name. If it's an illness, God glorify your name. If it's a tragedy, God glorify your name. Not only because of what is written here, but that's the theme. That we are to bring glory to God in our lives. And this wonderful sovereign God is working. Now we won't see it all. We can't see the plan. We can't see all the puzzle. You know, it's like a, sometimes like a rug. When you look at the underside, the top side's got this beautiful pattern. And that's heaven's view. But our side's got knots and strings hanging down. And the pattern's not beautiful at all. We're going, what's up with this? Trust me one day. Trust me one day. You'll see from heaven's view. And it's going to be beautiful. It may not appear very beautiful here. But one day. It will. Glorify your name. Then a voice. Verse 28. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. This is so beautiful. Understand something. Long before Bethlehem, Jesus was. Or more appropriately, in the vernacular of speaking about God, I am. He was, I am, he am, he am. There you go. (laughs) Jesus was glorified in the creation of the world. Nothing existed before him. He is the creative agent. He he was glorified in the call of Abraham. He he was glorified when when Isaac was on the altar and, and God provided the sacrifice. He was glorified. He was glorified through the entire sacrificial system that pointed to the sacrifice one day of the Lamb of God on the cross. He is glorified. He has been glorified. He will be glorified. Ooh, how powerful. How beautiful. I have glorified it. I will glorify it. Now again, being very, very careful, not just Step on the scriptures. And not to this degree. But I promise you this. I believe the scriptures... No, no. I know the scriptures teach. That as we die to self, as we allocate our time and our resources and our abilities and our lives, as we surrender and die here for the purpose of living there, as we wrap everything in the scope of the kingdom of God, you're going to find multiple opportunities in your life that God's going to be glorified. In the good times... In the difficult times, God will be glorified. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. The people heard thunder. They thought an angel had spoken. Some didn't get it. Some won't get it today. But some will. And then Jesus closes with these words. I love this. He speaks of victory. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the rule of this world will be cast out. In five days, or four, or three, he's going to hang on a cross, something like that one. And they can't take his life. He lays his life down. God says, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to pick it up again. So he dies on the cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb because he wouldn't need it long. And on the third day, he resurrects. On Friday and Sunday, 
sin was defeated. On Friday and Sunday, death was defeated. The one thing that could hold us in bondage, clear into eternity, and send us to hell was defeated, and that's sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the one thing we fear the most, death, 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 death is defeated. Christ is victorious. Christ is victorious. And that one we worry about that's going to sneak out behind a bush and shoot us, the ruler of this world will be cast out. He is done. Stick a thermometer in him because his goose is cooked. Satan is a defeated foe. Mark it. Hey, I got better than that. Don't mark it down. Live like it. Live like it. Now, I, time out. I got to put the caveat out there. Don't you go out there in the flesh messing with Satan. He's going to eat your lunch. But when you go in the name of Christ, it's a different story. Don't get cocky and say, Mr. Satan, I'll take care of you. You're going to be fried baloney. That's an axe. But when we go in the power of Christ, whew, nothing is impossible. That's why you can go to Ecuador and die on a beach. And, and 64 years later, they're still talking about Jim Elliott. That's why you can give up a wonderful career here in town as an attorney and go serve somewhere else in the world. Mike, Lucy, that's, that's why your daughter can say, Dad, I want to graduate. Mom, I want to graduate. And I'd go live six months in Nicaragua and just serve God. As Mike said it today in Sunday school class, he thought maybe it would pass. It didn't. And she's there. And God is good. Amen. Amen. Wow. Come on, y'all. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. He says, man, listen here. The, the judgment of this world, the ruler has been cast out, will be cast out. But as for me, I am lifted up. If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people myself. Not lifted up as an exalted kingship. Lifted up on a cross. I will draw all men. Now, that's not universal salvation. But it is for God so loved the world that as God draws men and women to Himself and they respond in grace to that grace, black people can be saved. White people can be saved. Yellow people can be saved. Brown people can be saved. Really, really, really bad people can be saved. And those of us who think we're pretty good, there's grace for us too. People who speak English can be saved and people who don't speak English can be saved. That's God's amazing, wonderful grace. And that's the message we get to proclaim here and out there in Nicaragua and, and Uganda and sometimes in Haiti, sometimes in the Philippines. That's the message we share. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And then he said this, made very clear, make sure you misunderstand. He said this to signify what kind of death is about to die. Focused finality. For, for Christ, it meant either being a, a regional king for a temporal time or dying on the cross and becoming the savior of the world. There was really no decision. I understand that. But he had to die to become the savior. And our choices will be a pretty cool life here, bells and whistles and toys, things pretty good, or God, as you arrange and prioritize my time, my talents, my ability, my resources, God, 
that I carry that into eternity, to an economy that I don't understand. But I know this, it pleases our Father here. You know, I love Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Focused finality. Now, can I say this? It, it, it has. You said something yesterday, and I can't remember what it was about. But you said something to this effect. You have to be intentional. It was something about my life. Probably involved food, too. You have to be intentional. You have to choose to live for the kingdom. There is so much garbage and junk in this world. And by the way, are things bad? No. When things own us, they become bad. Is money bad? No, it's a tool. But when it becomes your God, that's a real problem. Everything in this world that we call America and our world can become a God. If we're not careful. You have to be intentionally focused. A focused finality on being the follower Christ wants us to be. So that's it. We can choose temporal or eternal. We can invest in a temporal world or we can invest in an eternal world. And that's the choice we have. I, you know, I'm closing. I'm not, I'm not chasing rabbits, Pooter. But I think we need to say this at the end. A huge chunk of us are Christ followers today. We've made that commitment. But let me just throw this out. You know, there's no doubt Paul teaches about a judgment seat of Christ. We will not be held accountable for the penalty of our sin. Thankfully, that was handled on the cross. But we will get an accountability for the lives we live. Somewhere in eternity, we will stand before Christ and be held accountable for the way we lived. That's fact. That's scripture. I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be cool if we could stay up there and hear Jesus say, Well done. Well done. You, you, you balanced it well. You balanced it well. And all this is through Christ and because of Christ. But you balanced it well. That, that you saw that eternal is better than temporal. That the, God, that the honor of God is better than the honor of man. How cool would that be? How cool. So, can we go back all the way to the question? If you knew that following Christ would cost you everything, would you still have signed up? And I hope the answer is yes. And I hope you understand better the reason for the yes is that out there in a place called heaven is the greatest ride and the greatest eternity you could ever, ever dream. Let's pray together. We have a decision time. And today's just a little bit different um, because of the Lord's Supper. But it's about three things I want to invite you today. Um, I'll be standing down front this morning. And you heard me talk about today about, about God's grace, and about forgiveness, and those kind of things. And if you, if I tickled, or God tickled your brain enough to go, what is he talking about? Heaven, and hell, and grace, and forgiveness? What does all that mean? I would be glad, have some friends who will be down front, to pray with you today, and kind of explain what eternity is all about, what God's all about. What grace is all about. So my first invitation, point for decision, is if you've never uh, come into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and today's the first time maybe you heard that or maybe you heard it many times, but today it came home to you. We'd be glad to share with you about that. The second thing is this, that focused finality. In, in, a world that, in our world that has so much, 
this is a really difficult thing for us. So are you willing today, based on the truth you heard, and I invite you to do more research on it, make sure I wasn't pulling your leg. Are you willing today, based on the truth you heard, to refocus, to refocus from temporal to eternal, focusing on what Christ has done in your life and a desire, notice what I said, not to gain his favor, a desire to serve and follow him deeply. Deeply. The third thing is this. As we observe the Lord's Supper in a moment, again, please remember it's open communion. Anybody who's received Christ is invited to participate. As you do this, as we talk about the Jews representing the blood of Jesus Christ, as Jesus taught, be sure and thank Him for that sacrifice. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. As we receive that bread, think about that death of all deaths. A mutilated body on the cross. And understand, we deserve that fully. But he took our place. So I pray that you'll prepare your heart for the receiving of the Lord's Supper this morning. Now, God, we are very grateful today. I'm like overwhelmed gratefulness. I thank Father because I know how weak I am and how strong you are. God, you know the battles I fight with this, this thing about here and now instead of there, the difficulty of prioritizing time and talents and resources and abilities. God, speak to our hearts in a big way. For my friend who's here today, who's really wrestling in this world, and he's heard today about your grace, draw him, draw her to yourself today. For my brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, I thank you for this incredible group of believers. I mean that. We saw it demonstrated last week in Sunday in the Park. But God, help us to fine-tune. Just like Ben, when I go see the eye doctor, she gives me multiple choices. Which is better, one or two? One or two? One or two? Father, help us go to the spiritual eye doctor today and just fine-tune what you want for us and through us that we might serve you and we might follow you. And lastly, God, as I've spoken, prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. I love you, Jesus. And I know these folks do today. Many of them do. And we're grateful for that. Have your way in our decision time. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand to our feet, please. If I can help you in any way, I'll be waiting. There'll be some deacons down here to pray and counsel with you. If we can help in any way. After we have our time of decision, I'll be bow your heads in just a few moments. And we'll observe the Lord's Supper. There is a fountain
that time I'd like for you to bow your heads right there where you are just take a moment this is your God moment this is your God moment I love the way Dave picks out invitation songs I knew he knew this was the Lord's Supper but that was a good one that's a good one there is a fountain filled with blood the dying thief rejoice to see that fountain in his day just thank God if you're a Christ follower thank him right now for the great love he had for us on the cross. God, all I have is yours. All the days that you choose to let me live are yours. sound crazy. You might say that's not how you go into the Lord's Supper. But should we praise Him? Should we thank Him? Amen? Come on. Come on. It's, it's legal. It's legal. When I think about how His blood washed my sins away, that I don't have to work to gain His favor, that He loves me that much, that, dear friends, is something worth celebrating. Would you have a seat right there? And I want to invite the deacons to come up. As we observe the table, I ask Brother Johnny to pray for us in just a minute. Remember, you've got two cups there. If you'll separate them, the bread's in one, juice in the other. And we'll observe the elements together. Amen.
Ain't God good? It's one of those more I just feel his presence. I love that song that David just played on the video. What do we do that his wounds would atone for us? There's not an answer to that. When you think about humans and how imperfect we are and how simple we are, and yet God loved us so much. He sent his son, Jesus. He made a way when there was no way. How incredible. Paul tells us that the bread talks about his sacrificial death in a sense of his substitution on the cross for us. Jesus said that night, this is my body and it's broken for you. Take, eat, in remembrance of me. And then the blood. I guess there's anything confusing to people. It's about how we as Christ followers can be so excited about blood. But it's because of the blood that there's atonement for sin. In fact, the word says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission. There can be no taking away of sin. And Jesus said that night, he said... This cup is the new covenant, the New Testament in my blood. He says, oft as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Dave, how about a course, a verse of amazing grace? This will be our dismissal. As soon as we're done singing amazing grace, thank you so much for coming. I pray it's a blessing to you. I pray you got something you can take home and apply to your life. Today, we're honored that you came today. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock baptism. We're going to have a great time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. you've done for us as we go out this afternoon. Let that be heavy in our minds, Lord. The gospel before us and in us and through us to our community. We give you thanks for this time together. Thank you for the word that we've heard today. We give it all to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. See you back tonight.